0: What is up investors? Now on today's podcast, we're going to be doing another doctor coaching call like how we did a couple of weeks ago. But if you haven't checked out, I think it was Brian on that coaching call. Sometimes we change the names. <laughs> I think that goes for if anybody wants to do these free coaching calls where we go
1: into your personal financial sheet, we'll send you the blank personal financial sheet to fill out so that it helps expedite things. And People being in line on feedback, people really like to look at people's personal financial sheet as financial voyeurs is the term. If you guys are listening to this on the
0: podcast form, go on the YouTube channel to find this podcast if you really want to follow along on the personal financial sheet and see all their numbers and a lot that we don't talk about. I had a lot of questions and feedback over my analogy that I had a couple of podcasts ago, I believe. And then go back to Brian's one for the full discussion. But this whole concept of, you know, all right, we're investing in deals. We are playing these different tax strategies or at least learning it maybe doing getting some passive losses artificially
1: that you don't have to recapture through the new tax pal fund and you're doing a little bit of infinite banking or our new accredited in our new accredited investor banking which you guys will probably learn as we roll that out this year let me know if you want to try it out but it's working but all right people are moving down this path and i think everybody here pretty much they're not trust
0: fund kids they made their own money and they're still working working hard in their jobs or as 1099s or their small businesses. And what is the path forward and how do they keep working? Do they titrate down? Do they work? Do they spouse work? How do you implement rep status? And I introduced this uh, Raptor, Toyota or Ford Raptor gas guzzler versus
1: the Tesla model versus the in the middle hybrid uh Prius model of kind of different paths to doing this. Of course, all this is personal finance. And what I really urge you guys to do is sign up for the club if you haven't. And even if you're scared, book that call with me. I won't rip your head off. I'm really nice when you get to know me, (laughs) we get on one on one. And you know, let's go through this and let's see which one of these paths really fits well for your family and or at least give you some what the options are. And let's try and Compressed time cycles for you because time is really the most important thing out there. But if I'm not gonna go into what the heck this analogy was, but what I'm gonna say is go back to the previous podcast that we did, coaching call with Brian. He was also a doctor. I go over this loosely. If not, shoot us an email. Maybe we'll do more. But certainly if you're on the YouTube channel, put a comment below with we'll answer. But this is this kind of it was real quality of life questions and personal finance questions. And this is ultimately what I really like because this changes lives, so like going into a deal, doubling your money, whatever, that's cool. Tax savings. Yeah, that's amazing when a lot of the doctors will save 150, $200,000 in their first year by doing some of this stuff. And, you know, if course, that's, if you guys heard my kind of confession last week, sometimes when you have a lot of money, that may not mean too much, but you know, when your net worth is under a million, a couple million dollars, this is big life-changing moments. And maybe it can be the difference between you having a second child or third child, or even kids at all, or even going down a different path in life, whatever you choose. But again, go check out that older podcast. If you have any questions, let me know, or if we, you haven't burned up your free intro call with me, I urge you guys to do, let's get you guys going, or at least get you a different viewpoint in, so you don't just screw around for the next 30, 40 years of your life, putting your money blindly into the stuff that they want you to do, and enjoy
0: the coaching call. This is a story about a dude named Lane, he moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay, and then one day he went, tried to rent them out, and then he became one real investor man.
1: Hey folks, we have another hardworking uh, professional who's going to be a uh, volunteer to do a coaching call here. So Derek is a doctor and if you guys like, like you guys really like this, I don't know why I think people get like financial voyeurism when they peer in on these things, but the truth is not many, there's not too many different profiles. And if you've gone to the YouTube channel you and look for the coaching call playlist or Got an access to our members portal, which is free. You just got to sign up at com slash club. We actually uh, align all the coaching calls based on worth, So you can just find yourself and fit right in and find some of the past coaching calls, people of a lower net worth than you and some of the higher ones that you'll get to at some point. But uh, dig in here. Uh, Derek, thanks for doing this. Why don't you quickly go over a little backstory to get the people to get to know you a little
2: bit. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Lane, for having me. i excited to do this coaching call. As far as my background, so typical working or professional kind of investment background. I met my wife in medical school. We were both physicians and busy with training and residency and all that. So we just went down the typical route of basically doing retirement accounts and funneling all our money into stocks and bonds. We thought we were pretty smart because we were doing mostly low fee index funds. So we weren't picking <clears throat> individual stocks. We were doing a lot of just basically Vanguard mutual funds. And we're doing that for basically 10 to 15 years because we had two children along the way. <clears throat> and then just recently, actually earlier this year, brother-in-law got me turned back onto real estate. So I went down a, a really deep dive into the podcast world and Bigger Pockets on your podcast, And really just started to look into the syndication space and rental property space. And this year we actually purchased two rental properties. So one that's for a long-term property where we actually have some in-laws staying in it. So it's not like a typical rental property, I would say. And then a second was a short-term rental property that we got in the mountain area in North Carolina. So we did all that this year. And then now I'm at the space where I really want to start more looking at passive, truly passive, so syndication type deals, um, and maybe even starting to look into like infinite banking. So basically just trying to get more sophisticated away from just mutual funds, stocks and bonds, actually start getting some more investments into the real estate space. And then where are you guys at age-wise? You guys got kids? So I am 40. Unfortunately, the other complicating factor of my uh, personal history is my spouse passed away suddenly like a few months ago which complicated the issue. So it's just me now as a single father with two kids who are six and nine. That has also led to this push very recently to really try to simplify my life and simplify my investment strategy. Obviously I want it to be high yield and and useful, but I I just really want simple. I sorry to hear that.
0: If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me, well, change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last, and least impactful, Number 3. Infinite Banking If your net worth is not yet $1,000,000, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. Alright, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my 123 system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FUM for short. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey.
1: I know it's something that all of us, as we're trying to get our stuff together, we never know what's going to happen. Could be you, could be them. I was kind of thinking the other day, if it was me, what's the point if I'm gone? All done. The simulation ends, but that's not a good way of looking at it. But yeah, I mean let's let's definitely get you on the right path, or at least tell you what I think. And great. But but right now you're still working, right? Yep,
2: yeah, I work full-time. W2. I know I've listened to a bunch of podcasts, Here's included, where there's talk about like real estate status professional and all that. I, I'm not gonna qualify for that, and that's probably years off because the place I work at is actually a pretty cool place. It's a fun startup and I'm definitely I think going to continue it at least for the next few years. So I don't really have any, that's not in the immediate future to shut off my W-2, if that makes sense. So just a quick snapshot
1: for people listening on the podcast. We also do this uh, via screen share on the YouTube channel. So if you guys want to flip through some of the personal financial sheets as we go through, I'll pop on over there later. The net worth about two and a half. But what I wanted to dig in, uh, so assets first. Right. You you mentioned a lot of it is just traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, etc. So what I'm seeing is about 800 grand in that stock, bonds, mutual funds stuff, and then you've got a lot of equity in the the rental and the the primary residence that you guys live in.
2: That equity might be wrong. I might've filled out the sheet wrong. So the equity is probably in the primary residence, I would say between three to 400, depending on what it's going to sell for in the market.
1: No, you did did it right. You did it right. You have the, this is what it's worth now that the Delta is, this is the the mortgage on it. So I think you got it right.
3: Um, So
2: three to 400, probably in my primary. And then the two rentals were just purchased within the last six to eight months of the equity. And that's definitely not quite as high. Although with the market, it's. It's probably somewhere between you know fifty to seventy five thousand for each of those. Okay, so we
1: we'll, we'll circle back around on like we're going to invest what money we're going to use first in one mm-hmm. particular order, which is always a very common um, question that, that comes up. But let's figure out your velocity at this point. So, what is your kind of your adjusted gross income? What do you guess it's going to be in this next year?
2: So right now, my wage is 265000 per year, wherever that comes to after taxes. It used to be, with my spouse working as well, it was closer to half a million, but that's obviously going to be Yeah, cheap. and then
1: your expenses, right? You're not cheap having a couple of kids, but luckily you're not in the wonderful state of California, a little bit cheaper where you're at.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, North Carolina is not too bad, although the area I'm in is a little bit more expensive than the typical North Carolina, but it's definitely... Yeah. I've lived in the Bay Area before too. It's not <laughs> like San Francisco, other California areas. Yeah. Did, did you move over to the Carolinas for work or did, uh, kind of for family. So I was in the I used to be in the military. So we were in California, then Colorado, which I actually really loved. But a lot of my wife's family is from the northeast area. So we just wanted to get closer to them, but didn't want to go to an expensive New York or Massachusetts area. So that's how we ended up in North Carolina. Okay. So, what would you say you guys monthly burn rate for
1: expenses? You using utilizing daycare?
2: Or- yeah, there's after school, so our kids are in school, but we have to put them in after after school or after care. My wife has some car payments because she got a new car a couple of years ago. We have our mortgage, taxes, groceries, all that stuff. It's probably around ten thousand, give or take ten to twelve thousand, depending on the months. I used to track the budget a lot more closely, and then that kind of went away. Last year. Yeah. So that's probably about it. And that's including like our we would set aside money to go on nice vacations and stuff like that. We want that in. So probably twelve thousand a month would be. Yeah, and I think this is twelve thousand
1: burn rate every month. And you so you net about ten. So you're getting mm-hmm. at least a hundred grand a year. Maybe if that'd be a couple of investments every year as long as you for you guys as long as you can stay above fifty, seventy-five thousand, i think you're good enough you can let off the gas a little bit whereas some of the folks that are under a million 1.5 million they might want to tighten the belt a little bit going at a pretty decent clip here it's just a matter of being smart to where put the putting the money
2: yeah. Um, yeah i think that's my next big step is just being smart with deploying all the capital i have for sure
1: yeah I'm not a big personal finance guy anymore saving clipping coupons, that type of nonsense. But you guys are doing pretty well. I've talked to some people in California where they make more than you, yet they're barely able to save thirty to fifty thousand dollars and I'm like, dude, what's going on? And it's typically private school for kids is what clips that up or extremely big house, but I think your house is pretty big for a North Carolina. You got the salary to support it.
2: And that's actually something I've already been in the process of looking at. I put an offer in on a townhouse that would be smaller to downsize. Like I'm already looking at a way to either do a cash out refi or just sell and downsize. So I'm actively looking to do that and pull the equity out of this house.
1: Yeah, let's so let's do this. Let's go over the deployment strategy first and then (laughs) we can loop back around to like kind of life choices or transitions. Maybe I can just be a sounding board for you because At this point, I know you're going at a certain rate and I know where you're going to be in the next four or five years. And most times I think you folks and myself included at one time, you operate as in scarcity mode, right? We think we're not going to be able to get there. So we're pinching pennies, but if we make the right right moves, and especially if you want to downsize, that gives you a lot more, um, pushes you further down on the financial independence road. So Um, That said, let's talk about where. So, let's look at this 800 grand in your retirement accounts. You had it broken down one of these sheets IRA versus Roth, right? I think down here. So, let me see here. You've got the Roth stuff is about 150,000, 401K, 403Bs. That's the majority at five fifty, and then you've got the IRA miscellaneous stuff at one at nine ninety.
3: Oh. So,
2: one thing I've looked at, or I've reached out to a company, I think it's like EQRP or something. Was like one of those uh, trying to tap into specifically that four hundred three b that is my wife's. So now I'm I was the beneficiary. Now it's mine. So I'm still trying to look into if that's something. Yeah, I everybody's see. trying to sell you a bunch
1: of stuff, huh? Yeah. All right. Here's my thing. Retirement accounts, you've heard me say, I'm not a huge fan of, like, I think you're better off paying your taxes on it today while you're in a lower tax bracket today. Look, you're at 250, you're under the 340, right? And then especially if you believe taxes are going to be going up in the future, especially if you think your financial picture is going to be going up in the future. That argument were to put it into these self, self-directed accounts or qualified retirement plans is what they're technically called. Not some marketing term or whatever. They're all the same thing, solo 401ks. It it that works if you're investing in non-tax advantaged things, right? Like crypto stocks. But if you're investing in real estate, the damn thing should be tax free anyway, because you get the losses from the tax advantage asset. That's the key thing that people glaze over all the time. So I guess my first question is are you going to be investing in real estate or you want to be investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, crypto.
2: So I'm still trying to figure out like what I ultimately want my asset allocation to be. I know that I wanna like currently I'm very heavily in stocks and bonds and I wanna shift that and probably get anywhere from forty to fifty, maybe sixty percent of my total net worth in real estate. Probably twenty to thirty-ish and still stay in stocks yeah. and bonds, index funds. Okay. The crypto piece is the one that I'm still figuring out. I actually Listen to one of your webinars that you did. I forget who the person was where they were making the the point that you think Bitcoin is going to be worth however many million per Bitcoin and all that. And I have some friends that are pushing Bitcoin hard as well. I've gotten a tiny bit into that space. It wasn't anywhere on the worksheet, but I think ten thousand crypto. So I'm like dabbling slowly in a little bit of Bitcoin and ETH and I'm trying to determine, is that going to be like 1% of my net worth just so I have a tiny stake versus 5 to 10% and I'm a little bit more aggressive in the crypto space. So I'm still doing a little bit of research on that. Yeah. allocation.
1: And that's what makes this hard, right? Because if we're, before we start to decide on self-directed IRA, solo 401k, or take it to cash, you got to figure out what that end asset allocation pie chart is going to look like. But mm-hmm. you don't know what the hell that looks like at this point. Like, I I, I have some ideas. I'll just shoot you what most people in our kind of mastermind group will do at your network. They might do, like, at most 5%, 5% into crypto. Mm-hmm. The crazy ones will be doing 10%. But okay. as you can see, it's... You're not going balls to the wall with this type of stuff. St. Wall Street bets type of stuff. So...
3: It sounds a little bit, like, more reasonable <laughs> to me. Yeah. I And then
1: most of them, they, they start off with that 50% alternative asset idea, which I think you're heading down. Over time, I think that it creeps over to the majority. But I think most people, they're always going to have a quarter or a third of the traditional garbage, if you will. Personally, I don't have any of that stuff. But I'm not normal, and I think it's prudent to have some of that stuff, so that you're always in it. So you're learning. So the idea is, you go to alternatives, get your net worth up to five, ten million, and then possibly come back to the to the traditional space. Is right. the idea? But if you leave the, the traditional space, you'll never. You might as well stay on the alternatives because that's what you got you there in the first place. But let's just go with you're going on the next several years. You transition to half alternatives, half. I don't know forty forty five percent traditional stuff. So we'll leave half of this stuff alone, in a way.
2: Okay. And, and if you are you counting like syndications as alternative? Yeah, those are what I call alternatives. Yeah. So
1: real estate is alternatives. Crazy. So Where did that, that I might
2: actually be more comfortable with sixty five percent alternatives, thirty percent. Okay. Okay. Traditional five percent crypto. That seems like a reasonable starting.
1: Yeah, and I think that's again that's you no know, that's very. Typical the people on the family office group that have that kind of mindset, but of course you got to get to your fifty fifty first. So let's have that to be an intermediate goal these next few years, and then get to that once you get proof mm-hmm. of concept. But that in mind, of course, I'm aggressively pushing you to you know move this stuff around. What I would probably do in that case is let's see again eight hundred thousand of various pre tax, post tax, various IRA, four hundred and three b, four hundred and one case stuff first thing we always do is we don't touch the stuff first we you got liquidity right you have home equity first
2: yeah so i have home equity and then there's a decent amount that i have in checking and savings and then also i got a lump sum for the life insurance a supplemental life insurance benefit so
1: what would you say like that liquidity would sum
2: up to about Several so hundred thousand. it's about 700, although I like to keep some in reserve. Like I'm one of those people that probably wants 75 to a hundred. Yeah. 100 yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So fair enough. deployable capital right now, I would say comfortably between six to 650 that I could deploy pretty quickly. So there's two path
1: ideas I'll give you. Like first is what I'll do. Cause I've already know it works personally. And then there's the one that most people will do okay. that I see. Which is obviously takes into account the whole let's try this stuff out first before we go crazy with this stuff to make sure it's real. Right. Let's get proof of concept. Calm and crazy. Like when I bought started to do out of state turnkeys, I bought one property first, and then I bought mm-hmm. eleven very quickly. But I think it's prudent to get proof of concept. Although we've had people invest a million dollars in nine months by joining the family office group and building relationships with other peers and then quickly moving in, which makes me stressful for them. But now they're happy with 10, fi- ten five figures of monthly passive cash flow now, two years later. Those are the two goalposts to think about.
2: I, mean, let's I, just... I, would, I would say normally I'd be more on the cautious side. I think the one thing that makes me think I might be a little bit more aggressive about deploying the capital is just the, the inflation that's already here and seems like it's not going to slow down. I don't want to just sit on this pile of cash for two or three years and have the purchasing
3: power. Yeah. So let me, those are the
2: two goals right? So,
1: what I'm going to propose, just so we don't have too many things floating around out here, is just the more, the bare minimum conservative one of moving in okay. slowly. So, what I would do, so there's, shoot, there's three things going on here that I'm thinking in my head. First, we got to deploy the liquidity first, because that's the stuff that's not doing jack for you. Then, what I want to do is I want to take, I want to leak money out of these retirement accounts slowly so that you're Right now, your adjusted gross income is about two hundred and fifty. What I want to do is take... Oh, wow. Sh- ah, sh- your married, files single
2: now. There is some sort of... I think I can technically still file married jointly for the next two years, I believe, my CPA okay. said. Okay. Yeah, and that was the same for you. That's part of the reason, too, why I'm thinking of selling the house. He said it was like 24 months after she passed. I think I can still get the full half a million free when I sell the house versus the Okay. So, That's fair that's yeah. good. So here's what I'm thinking. Say that that is the
1: case, right? If you're making 250 and then you leak out the retirement fund slowly to take you up to this 340 number about,
3: right? So mm-hmm. you're taking 100 grand out every year for the next couple of years. If it's unlucky where you don't get that
1: treatment, then I then you're already topping up at the higher tax bracket, right? So does that make sense? So you're going to have to walk this path down the road with your CPA.
3: Okay. But the idea
1: is, we want to be leaking out our retirement funds as quickly as possible, but not to go over this red line. Here.
3: That makes sense. Do you understand yes. the logic. Yeah.
2: Gotcha. And is there like what, like a rank order of how you leak those out between the retirement accounts?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Pretty quick question. But let me get back to that. So the one thing, the, the Roth IRAs are, you've already paid the taxes on it right. and you can
3: take out the contributions tax free penalty free So that's your, you could always be taking that out okay. in a way.
1: But you have so much money liquidity-wise that you don't have to touch this probably for the next several years.
2: And like I said before, I'm still considering keeping a quarter to a third in stocks and bonds. So I could
1: yeah, it. I for you, and this is very personal
2: for your situation
1: because you have all this other liquidity in this, I would probably leave the Roths alone. Okay. You probably don't have to touch them. So to answer your question, your current one, your 401k with your current employer you mm-hmm. probably can't touch that. So let's just leave it alone. The next one would probably be the 403B from the previous employer, spouses, or this IRA. Probably do the 403Bs because my logic is you have crappier options. If your IRA, you have a bit more choices with it. Mm-hmm. And these are typically more of a pain in the ass to, manipulate so let's get it out now so i would say yeah i would you know let's just put a number here first would be the f- you know this would be the first year because if you're going from two hundred fifty thousand 000 to, to try to this year if you can there's a couple more weeks left
2: but and i still had my spouse's income for most of this year and then they also paid out like some months for oh okay, okay. So you're, so you're already the out. For the, the, yeah the income for this year is going to be well over half a million Okay, but it's going to be married filed jointly. So next year is really when Got the salary it. is going to drop to that two sixty five for just me. Got it. So yeah, let's earmark that for twenty twenty two.
3: Okay,
1: and then we chip away at this 420, 23, 2024, 2025, and
2: twenty twenty six. And is the thought that I'm just slowly drawing it out, stay below the next highest tax bracket, and then redeploying the money into like syndication deals.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. people are, will tell you these are the best thing. You're gonna have to pay the taxes on it at some point, and you're not getting the tax benefits today.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay.
1: And then the 401k would be probably. You could probably. I'm thinking you're probably gonna quit your job before 2027.
2: So Pro- probably, uh, probably. yeah. The place I'm at, it's like a, a startup, and just the trajectory of it. Like, I think <laughs> the interesting work will be done by then, hopefully.
0: Yeah, Actually, 2027 with IRA
1: and then 2028 for this later. You'll probably come to a couple of Hawaii retreats by then. You'll probably maybe do a backdoor Roth at that point. A lot of this will change in the next three years. Anyway, okay. but that's, let's get you going down the path first. And I would probably recommend against... The only reason where it might make sense to do a qualified retirement plan is if that doomsday scenario where you are limited to single joint or that 170 max, then you might like again, like for people listening, the only reason that stuff makes sense in my own humble opinion in front of a tax attorney, but there's no right answer for this stuff. As it is mm-hmm. if two things apply. Number one, you're already in tax bracket, highest tax bracket, which you are, and number two, you have a a boatload and your retirement accounts, which Hey. Dude, like, I've seen people with more, like a million, million, half in their retirement accounts. You certainly have more than half a million, six hundred thousand. 600,000. So that kind of satisfies that. And the reason being is, oh, shoot, what do we do? Let's just kick the can down. to hunting in football, right? In a way. Unfortunately, and the things you have to balance, and the reason why I'm not super keen on is these damn things cost a lot of money.
2: I like your plan. I'm slowly drawing this out as noted. And then you did yeah. mention like the backdoor Roth. So that was something we had been doing the last couple of years with my spouse. I didn't do it this year, but is that something you typically recommend for? For most people, no,
1: because they got to get their stuff together and get their cash flow bucket filled today. Then when you're already cash flowing $10,000, 20000 then yeah, do your backdoor Roths after that. People do it all backwards, as you've seen. So you have that general idea and it sounds like you have a pretty good understanding of leaking things out. If that would be the conservative way of doing it. If you wanted to be a lot more aggressive, you you take it out two times as fast and you start to supplement with some with some other more exotic tax strategies and stuff like that, like land conservation easements, that type of stuff. And then I, I think at that point, it probably makes more sense to join the family office group, talk to other doctors doing that type of stuff, see who the operators that they've been working with. And at that point, we're going to save you. 10 times as much as your initiation before a group like that. But again, that's not for everybody, right? I, I think you have a pretty dang good, like conservative middle of the path strategy right here mm-hmm. that you could probably implement. But if you want it to be
3: optimized, that's the way you go to, and then you can unlock all this money and get it deployed right away. Before the, th- Great recession
1: happens. Hey, but, I do have a uh,
2: question about the um, infinite banking concept, which I know you've mentioned on some of your podcasts, and, like webinars and stuff. Is that something I should consider with starting one of those policies since I do have so much cash that I...
1: Yeah, can't... and that was the other thing I wanted to... So that's always... People always geek out on infinite banking. And then if people want to... I would always say, check out the free infinite banking e-course we have. You got to sign up, com slash club or... I think if you go to com slash banking, you can sign up directly for just that e-course, but it, it would probably make sense in your position. Um, because you have so much that you have that 700,000 just sitting there, right. and it sounds like you're on board to leaking out your retirement accounts mm-hmm. quickly. So here's how I would like mind model this thing out like 2022. 20, I start to build these like timeline deployment plans uh, and then model out how much liquidity you have so right now you're starting with 700 of liquidity and this let's just say this line is like how much you're going to invest how much money are you going to you think you're going to invest in 2022
2: i guess it would depend on how comfortable i am (laughs) finding syndications and yeah i'll say like most people
1: they'll do at least 100 100, 200 Mm -hmm. again i've seen people do a million in the first year So those are the two ends of the kick the football.
2: Yeah, I think I'd be comfortable between anywhere between two to three hundred, depending on whether that's two hundred thousand dollar deals or a few fifty thousand dollar deals. Okay, so is probably a good number to put on that. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm doing here is just now I'm figuring out how much liquidity
1: you're going to be left with, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and let's just say you go with the same thing in 2023, you're going to have. Two hundred, but you're also leaking out. Remember, we're leaking out a hundred thousand each year from IRA. I think I got my all my rules messed up here, but
2: I see what you're doing. You're
1: gonna have three hundred, right? Yeah, Yeah. no, you're gonna have. Okay, so they do that. You're gonna start off with four. Yeah, if you have seven hundred and you invest that, uh, you go down to five fifty, and then you pull out another hundred, but you invest that. You're basically going down by four by a hundred thousand each year
2: or yeah down 150 a year investing 250 and pulling out one so maybe this year you get really <laughs> aggressive you, know, you go
1: crazy on this year You go
2: 300 but you're still yeah like, this, i see what you're doing this makes a lot of sense like then i get more comfort investing in these deals you know what yeah. better deals
3: are this is why I,
1: look, I like working with smart people you guys catch on to this stuff it's so frustrating
3: what What does that mean Dude.
1: ah dang my head against the wall. if i can't I don't know a good communicator, but this is what I'm trying to. Do. So you're going to invest another 300 this year. I actually think you what we'll probably do is at least these years, you might even two x this investment. Yeah. Probably yeah. was going to happen,
2: but you I I, I, I think you're probably right because I'm I'm really starting to lean into learning more about this, and I'm strongly considering like joining your mastermind group and really getting a strong network of like good syndicators and understanding yeah. the space. So and let, think- let
3: more comfortable let's
1: just say let's just bump it up a little bit 350 and i think that went to 350 let's just say you do get a little bit more
3: aggressive like we're saying that was 350 450 i think that's how it is okay so you're gonna you're gonna basically burn through your cash liquidity
1: in three or four years Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to model out how much cash liquidity you have and then how much so it's two things. My ge- this is just real general rule for how much money should I put into my infinite banking every year for six to seven years. Mm-hmm. So my general rule is take one third of your annual debt. So for you you guys are saving a hundred grand
3: a year. So that's three hundred 30,000 or thirty-two grand every year but you have a big amount of
1: liquidity which we've modeled out and estimated on this line what it's going to be what i want to do is estimate i want to utilize this so that by the year by the middle of the policy you should be using this up at best as you can so this is real this is where i'm just shooting darts out there into the universe a little bit but my gut tells me that i'd like you to put in at least 100 grand because that your liquidity is so high so i would say on the low end 130 grand every year
3: 130
2: grand every year okay
1: yeah but you want to know what i would do yeah so (laughs) This, this, is the, this all depends how you create the policies, how much commissions the agent wants to take, right? Mm-hmm. So you can crank down the commissions, but and what that does is cranks down the life insurance portion. The 10 to 20% is the best practice. If you don't want to gouge your clients with commissions, which most people do, it's like a 50-50 split. The other good benefit to doing that is you don't have to, you you may sign up to do a hundred thousand dollars a year, but only ten thousand dollars really what you have to put in that year. Yeah. So that's the beauty of it. And I that took me like three years to latch on because out here we're all you and me are good citizens. are like, if we save a life insurance company, we're gonna put in two hundred, shoot, we have to put in that every single year for six years to our total of six hundred thousand. But in reality, all we have to do is put in sixty. Maybe a hundred grand. And shoot, we've hit that in the first year.
3: Yeah,
2: so, I have been in talks with somebody who does this and it was I forget what the once it's topped up to 130 or whatever, you're done. The policy's self-sustaining.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, as long as you hit that, if it was a 90-10 split with 10% of it, it being insurance premiums, once you hit that, you're good. You don't have to worry about the policy cannibalize. Or for the longest time, I thought, oh, you gotta put in the whole thing. Not necessary. But if, if it was configured. In a jacked up way, where it was fifty, fifty, fifty percent of it. So on the six hundred thousand fully commit policy for six years, a hundred grand every year, you have to put in three
2: hundred. That's a bigger nut you have to keep funding, as opposed okay. to
3: sixty. It
2: so like the more important number on these is basically what's the total amount I need to put in to get past the point where it can cannibalize itself, like where the fund is self-sustaining, and if I stop funding it, I'm I'm okay. The policy is still at least there
1: right ideally you want to create the biggest container size without losing said container got it so yes. for for you you could probably you have If i just add up this line here or i mean you're going to have it I'm, I'm just looking like on average you're going to have maybe 50 a time again this is the low end 130 every year you know what? i would get just get a max 10 10 million dollar policy so 10 million dollars is a Important number because at that if you go higher than that you gotta show a whole bunch of BS documentation, okay, to get higher than that. And really, you don't really need more than ten million dollars because ten million dollars typically is a payment of two hundred fifty k for six or seven years. I would just again, this is just what I would do. Right, this is more of an aggressive way of doing it. I would just start off with a two hundred fifty k a year, and then you fund that. Maybe you you backdate it. If you're, depending when your birth date is and you fund that first two years right away, or worse, you know, probably what's gonna happen, you go two fifty and then you go two fifty and then you start to just fund the insurance premiums from there yeah. on out. But you've already hit your what your your minimum amount so it doesn't cannibalize in your first year. So you're good All there. Right, right.
2: Yeah, that kind of answers the question that I had just jotted down to ask you, which was like, where am I going to park my money now? Because obviously you don't get anything on savings or CDs and I have to open a bunch of separate bank accounts. I'm not above the FDIC limit. So I kind of this option, if I can fund those, basically double fund and deploy some of that capital that fund's taken care of. and then If I put all that money in pretty quickly, then depending on how the policy is written from my understanding... Within anywhere from a month to six, I should be able to start borrowing a decent amount from that policy to put into syndication deals, correct?
1: You can do it the next week, get yeah. the money back out next week. So yeah, this, is,
3: like a good plan,
1: this is, this one's funny, right? Because it, it it operates like a HELOC account, but it's still like people, even in the mastermind group, they're, oh, I got to pay interest payments to myself. I don't want to, oh, that stresses me out. That's $400 a month. No, that's just a mindset thing. You've got to get over that. It's just- What the way you're supposed to use this thing? If you put in two fifty, and now your cash value goes down to two hundred, and then you know you put in the next two fifty the next year, maybe it's worth four. I don't know, four fifty. Just call it that. The next year, what you want to do is you want to take out that four fifty and put that into deals or crypto or whatever. I'm assuming you guys have
2: good contacts for these infinite banking. Yeah,
1: yeah, just yeah, go through the e course. And then I would say just, it's a couple hours for, do that e-course, but it should get you set up and then, yeah, we can refer you out from there once you're kind of studied up. But they're commodities, right? They're all with the big major companies. That's really what you want. But the question is, where are you going to put the money? And that's really up to you. You can put it into deals. Some What some people do is they, I think a mistake that I see, especially for somebody in your case is like, they want to leave their dry powder in here. And only take out, you know, half. Like that, dude. That's not what this is for. You got to take it all out, unless you're a business owner that needs a lot of dry capital for yourself. Twenty, fifty grand and checking. Fifty grand's way more than you need, but twenty grand just to float your monthly expenses every quarter, and then maybe fifty grand in uh, you know, to leave it in here. So you deploy four hundred in this case. Like, mm-hmm. That's really the way you want to play this. And then if you wanna do three hundred of that four hundred in deals and then a hundred in crypto, that's how you do it. Okay.
2: I didn't even I hadn't even looked at infinite banking for crypto. I was just looking at it for syndication, so that's good to know.
1: You can use the money to go to Disneyland if you wanted to. Obviously you're not gonna do that. People who listen to this podcast don't do that stuff. And or you could use this as a way better than five twenty nine plan. Yeah. Hell of a lot better. I don't know why anybody does a 529 plan.
2: Oh, I even forgot to put that down. We do have 529 plans for our kids, but we shut them off, I think, six months ago after listening to your podcast and other ones like those have been shut off. Yeah, they each have 10,000 in it. Probably okay, just yeah,
1: them. just shut them off because just I would just withdraw it just for simplistic reasons. Today I was trying to get rid of my health savings account because I got like 15 grand in there, but it's like, what a pain in the butt to have this thing and I got to pay them 300 bucks every year. Like, mm-hmm. really? that
2: 2% adds up
3: all the time. Yeah. 300 grand, on uh, 14.
2: Do you have any thoughts about the like the lump sum, what are they called, MEC plans, or like for infinite banking, like the, the life insurance policy where you can do the lump sum instead? I spoke to somebody the other day and they were like, oh, some of the drawbacks are that, I think it was if the distributions were not taxable, I believe, versus in the other one they are. There were some differences with it, but I, I had never even heard of the lump sum thing until I spoke to somebody. I don't know if that's, Something
3: yeah, you're gonna have to cordial.
2: talk to our experts on that one. Right?
3: That just huh.
1: there's all these kinds of other like variable life. That's like they missed the point. They're like, "Don't you want higher returns?" We're like, no, we want like liquidity so I can go invest in better stuff. I don't need six, seven percent. Once your net worth goes over five, ten million, then you may come back to that type of stuff. That's right. I think when it makes more sense. But there's a know. lot of sh- Shady stuff, especially in like the IUL, people's trans stuff. Commissions on that are extremely high. There's a lot of aggressive salespeople running around doing nonsense for that. There's some con- companies actually like really aggressive on teaching the agents. They have this like farm school where they teach people because it's such like a obscure product with high commissions that mm-hmm. it makes sense to just train trainers or just make real estate agent armies,
3: you know, yeah.
1: head out there. <laughs> one in a hundred will actually sell a policy, but it's pretty good commissions for them at the end of the day. But basic IPC, this is what it's for. Once you go over $10 million, I think that's a little overkill. Gotcha. But especially because you, know, you want to get this money working at four or five percent tax free. And then right. a- another thing to think about is because you're the only one for your kids now, I mean it's it would probably be prudent, a single point of failure at this point.
2: Yeah, that's true that is another good benefit of opening up one of these yeah um, and
1: that's it you guys have, you have a trust build and all that stuff dating yeah you. i'm in the
2: process of, i gotta redo we were in the process of getting it set up and then my wife passed away before all the stuff was notarized and finished so it's a little bit of a mess so I'm yeah trying yeah to and, get that all was... that and then i was obviously not <laughs> in the right state of mind for quite a bit so I'm i'm finally getting my brain back from brain fog and i'm gonna start cleaning that up
3: yeah
1: I think that'd be a good to talk to other people too. I mean, the questions are like, well, who watches your kids? I'm not giving any advice on that And this type of.
3: You, know, you I, I
1: want to watch my? No, no, I not I wouldn't even trust myself with my own kids. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's, these questions come up, and it's hard to find other people who're doing the same thing. Yeah, you technically just listen to your attorney, but I don't know if that's super prudent. Or mean other viewpoints too, but. Getting back to the numbers here, if you do that large of a policy, once you fund it up to, you have that 500, 300,000, you're going to fund it halfway. That's well past the point that it's going to collapse on you, a black hole on you. So you're good. And what's probably going to be happening around year three, year four, is these deals are going to start to refinance early, full cycle at that point. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the point where it's a kind of a make it or break it. It's if you don't fund the policies anymore, then cool, that's fine. But I think what's probably going to happen is you get that windfalls and you're like, oh, yeah, let me just fund the policies the remaining of the three years. And now you're set up.
2: I like it. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah.
1: But bare minimum, 130. And I think what most people do is like they, they get a small policy. Like when I first started to do this, I did a $50,000 policy every year for six, seven years. And then it was just cool to use it and be like, oh, this is like a HELOC. Oh, Mm -hmm. what is that thing on my portal? It's saying I owe $5,000. Oh, that's just the interest. Eh, I don't care about that because my cool friends actually know about money. Don't freak out about it. And then you add a zero on top of the end of it once you get the hang of it in a few months. So you, you withdraw money, you pay it back, and then... Some people in the family office group are doing this, like instead of getting the loan from like Ameritas, Penn Mutual, Guardian, they go to a third party bank. Instead of paying 5%, they pay 3%. If you're doing a larger policy, like how you are, something like that adds up 1% on 600 grand mm-hmm. adds up. But yeah, yeah, that's the IBC thing for you. And I think if you want to play it more conservative and only go into a few deals at the minimum on the investing side, I'll play more aggressive
2: on this stuff. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, And I think as far as the the investment side, like I'm I'm willing to ramp it up once I feel more confident in how I can bet sponsors and deals and have a good network of people who have invested in the past. and And then
1: also, like we said, you could really ratchet this up by getting more aggressive on the withdrawals from your IRAs, right? Mitigate the higher income by conservation easements or something like that. If it's still around, if you're willing to be careful and work with the right people on that, of course, it's on the list of transactions. People freaked out. Oh my god, I googled it, and this is naughty. I'm supposed to do it. I don't personally do it because I've gotten to the point where I don't have active income. It's all passive, and that's where you're going to get to at some point. But how can we bridge you to that promised land in five to six years when? Most of your stuff is passive, so it can offset them with passive losses. Okay, we got to plan on the IRAs a little bit. Your situ- this is a good call. Your situation is confusing, and there's a bunch of things moving around. Talked about IBC. Let's talk about like lifestyle changes, because that may increase your... If you sell that, you are going to stay in that house you guys live in now, or downsize, or...
2: The plan is to try to sell. I'm a little bit constrained in that a lot of our family is close by and they're the ones helping a lot with the kids now and they're in a good school system. And so like, I can't just pack up and go wherever. So I'm a little bit constrained in the market where I live is quite hot, which is a double-edged sword in that I think my house would go pretty quickly for a good amount without having to do a lot of work to get it ready. But then I have to find something to replace it with. But yeah, the ultimate goal is like our house is a decent size, a lot of land and just way more work than I need. And it's too big for just one adult and two kids. So that's definitely something that I want to do is downsize, get some equity out. And that would also have the function of reducing my payments, monthly mortgage payments anyway. Yeah.
1: I I would just say from, you don't need to downsize. Like some people I'm like under half a million dollars net worth. I'm like, dude, this is something you need to do. You're already behind in the game. You're already in your forties and fifties. You have to do this stuff. But for you, you can keep living there. That's cool. Again, they say you never want to listen to they, whoever the heck they are, but they say don't do anything like drastic for the first year or whatever. But I will say that, you know, speaking from the experience from some of the other folks who've downsized, they've gotten away from living in the big house and they've gone to more of the luxury condo where now they enjoy it because now they're hanging with their kids, they got the pool, they don't clean. Mm-hmm. It's just sim- simpler living, yep. less headaches, nothing breaks. So if you're going to the more simplistic life, that probably be the way of doing. That's not a bad way of doing things. Actually, yeah. personally, I think I might like the condo life a little bit better. Less
2: nonsense.
3: Don't have to clean my own pool.
2: You know, that's, that's how I'm looking at a, a condo condo or townhouse where there's community pool and they take care all like yard maintenance and it's just. And again, just getting back to the simplifying things, like it's become clear, like I, I don't need a lot of stuff. I just want time with my kids and the possessions that I have, enjoy and, and travel and yeah. do fun stuff.
1: So you, in that primary residence you have now, you got what about half a million
3: of equity in that thing?
2: So it will depend. So we got, it was a 0% down because we had a physician's loan, which was nice. But the And we only bought it just under six years ago, but the market's gone up so much that I've talked to a couple of different agents and looking online, it would probably be between 350 to 400 depending on what it sells for is about okay. what I would, the equity that we would get.
1: So, on so yeah. one thing, this is a tax thing, right? Like you're only able to write up like, like be exempt from what a quarter million dollars of
3: gains. That's that's what I thought
2: too, because it's just me now, but my CPA said within 24 months of my spouse passing, I should be able to get the full half a million. So you're not,
1: you're not maxing that out yet. Not you're almost
2: not quite, but yeah, if I stay in this house for another couple of years, then I'll be above the half the quarter million max for myself because yeah. then it's going to revert to it's just me, it would just be the individual. Two-piece. Yeah, I'm like, it kind of is a good tax move because you have yeah. It's something I wanted to do actually, even before this happened, I had already been yeah. talking about hey, we, should, mean... we should simplify. So, it's, if the right house comes along that I can get, I think I'm going to do it, and that's yet another windfall and more cash that I can deploy. Yeah, because if you don't
1: move before the year two, you'd lose that double tax exemption thing, exactly. Yeah, for me, I mean, I don't want to push you either way, unless before I heard that (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you got to just move out, move out, and buy it back again if you feel that's what you want to do. I don't know if you can do that; it's not like a wash sale, but you know what I mean. Yeah.
2: No, I I think it's it's a strong possibility, and even where we live, it's a, it's more of a isolated subdivision, and there's not as many kids around, and there's plenty of neighborhoods where a lot of their friends from school are that would be cheaper and smaller and have a lot of things we talked about. So, yeah. um, definitely on my radar and that would just accelerate what we talked about give me more cash to put into these funds yeah but maybe think about it and i think
1: wait till the springtime or summer that's when the market is the hottest
2: the world doesn't
3: end before then
2: yeah uh, no, I got, yeah, I got my, um. like, I'm looking now to potentially hop on something if somebody's putting something on in December or January, but my goal is to probably list my house in the spring because that's just, yeah. it looks the nicest, it's the hottest market. But if, you know,
1: just doing some quick math here, if you dump out 400 grand, you put it into an even
3: bigger infinite banking policy, So you just do infinite banking right away at 5%, you know, that's 20
1: Twenty grand a year, a couple grand, couple grand a month. You always want to do this equation and think, well, how does that two grand a month change my life? If you had to use it, that could be a lot of less home cooked meals and eating out, less, bit more time, right? If you can use that two thousand dollars every month, that is time or for time, that's money will, or you know, that, that's a good move to create that cash flow and that's everlasting cash flow. It's not just. eating through your pile that's how i would look at it so you get to live in the condo get the free free maintenance on the pool but what are the downsides of that i don't know is there a downside in your
2: head the only downside is less privacy like the the lot i have it's great private lot it's gorgeous like you're by nature and it's very private and very nice but i think i think think the positives of moving outweigh it though like just simplifying life getting a bunch of equity out and redeploying it yeah Getting my kids in the neighborhood with a bunch of their friends, I think yeah. definitely outweighs the privacy concern. That's why I asked
1: some people when they talk to their spouse, they're like, well, what's the downside if they can't
2: communicate because there isn't, they just
1: don't want to do it, which is silly. You've obviously been able to voice your concern, which is privacy. But so what if you took $2,000 a month and you bought the penthouse instead of the, the right. other one? Right. You, you rented the penthouse instead. $2,000 mm-hmm. pumps you into much higher, more exclusive community so think about it like that the term life you get that big of a policy you don't have to pay this anymore so that frees up some more mm-hmm. cash flow yeah, that's,
3: mm-hmm. that's redundant
1: yeah i think we covered a lot here
2: anything else you want to no i don't think so this is very helpful thank you Hopefully, it was helpful to people listening and then i will definitely check out that e-course on the infinite banking
1: yeah i think trying to think what is the first domino that's got to fall here but you know, you, the house, there are three things, moving out of the house. I think you can delay that to the spring or summertime, so yeah. that's third on the list. The, mm. You already have liquidity, so you could probably, and then you don't have to do the taking out of the retirement accounts quite yet. It's a rare situation, but infinite banking seems to be the first domino here, which
2: yeah, if you're agree. listening on
1: the podcast, that's typically not it. If, you, if you're screwing around infinite banking, stop doing and wasting your time, especially your net worth is under a million dollars, you haven't invested in anything.
2: Yeah, I, I agree though, in this case, it makes sense because it gives me a little bit of time to deploys some of this extra capital and then I can get spun up on what syndications I want to invest in, educate myself. The house can come later in the year and then slowly peeling away some of that retirement stuff can start happening at any point in 2022 once I have a better yeah. idea of my adjusted gross income as well and then decide how much I'm going to pull.
1: Yeah, and I think once you get moving down the road, once you deploy a million, you should be making a fraction of your salary. And then when you double that, you should be able to start to see the light. Once you deploy about a million or 2 million, you, start, you should start to see the light on when exactly you're
3: going to quit. Cool.
2: Yeah, that, that dovetails nicely with where I'm at now. Again, the, the place yeah. I'm at, it's, it's a lot of fun to work at. I enjoy it, but I, I reading the tea leaves, I think four to five, maybe six years at the most, I should yeah, be yeah. Kind of done doing what I'm doing and then be ready to.
1: You write out the, the startup for five yep. years that, but you don't want to go back to practice. I don't want to do before. like a
2: typical family practice, seeing 20 patients a day every day. That's too much. I wouldn't want to do that. But it's something like that, it would be part-time or it would be like part-time remote. There's a lot of remote providers where you can work anywhere you want in the world and do telehealth. And I could do that part-time and supplement with my passive income and, and still have a
3: pretty pretty nice lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: think you'll have enough at
1: that
3: point where you don't really need to to the make a hundred, hundred fifty thousand a year part time, right? Type of thing, yeah. But I know you're, you'd be in
1: coast mode, going seventy miles an hour at that point. But then we'll see. In the next several years, we'll see if you get bored or not.
2: If you want to? Yeah, know. that's the thing. Like I i do like healthcare. It's fun working in healthcare. The U.S. healthcare system's so broken. So if there's cool projects or companies to work on to try to fix stuff like that interest me, but it would be nice to be in the position where I can decide which project or work I, I want to take on. And if there's nothing that's interesting or exciting or worth the work,
1: I can. Yeah. It your the current employer, the startup thing. Is it pretty time intensive or is it? It's shift? hit or miss. It
2: depends. So it's actually like some days are less than others. It comes and fits and starts like a typical startup. So it's not a lot of patient care for me. I'm doing a lot more project work, and data work and all sorts of things where sometimes a big project comes along and I'm Spending a lot of time one week and then the next week it's relatively slow. If, that
3: makes uh, sense. if
2: With you being the
1: primary
3: caregiver, I would manage, if you can't handle it and you need to step back, you could. Yeah. If you stuff all this
1: money into infinite banking and you get maybe a quarter million, half a million into deals making 10%, you probably have enough to... S- definitely sustain your cost of living if things get too busy you have the option to
2: to do that yeah right now it's not too bad and part the good thing is most of the time i actually get to work from home which is nice so even though even if it's busy i still have the time with the kids and then a lot of the work i can do at night when the kids are asleep just the nature of the startup and how i'm doing it a lot of it's project work or things i can literally do at 10 o'clock at night while they're asleep i can just sit there and get stuff done so it's actually not too much of a Castle, and we have a lot of family nearby that spending time with the kids and and watch them a lot and hang yeah. out with them. So far, it's I think I'm in a good spot at least for the next couple of years. If things yeah.
3: Are you? Is the
1: family decently well off, or are you the the more wealthy folks?
2: The rest of the family is pretty well off, at least the ones close by. So, like, my mother is about ready to retire. Like, she does pretty well for herself, and she's transitioning. She's going to probably transition to working part time. She's close by. My wife's parents, um, not super well off, but they're fine. Like They're the ones actually in that long-term rental property we have, and they're paying well below market rates. So that's one where basically it's cash flow negative. Like We bought the property. They're paying the HOA and the mortgage. It's cash flow neutral for us, but it's building up equity, and it has them in a nice spot basically under market. So that's like a win-win. What is their and,
1: long-term... Like, they're going to They're, they're going to age in place...
2: At least for now, yeah, they're they're healthy enough and, and doing well enough. I don't think there's any imminent plans for them to go to a okay. salary like
3: that.
2: And then also, my brother in law lives close by as well, and he has his own like marketing company and, and does pretty well. So,
1: okay. Now that I live in mom's basement, steal her no, check. No, no, no. no yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, because some of the people they they're like obviously the most bluff in their family. So they have to also keep in mind the providing or in a way. No, thank, like
2: thankfully, that. everybody else in the family is fine. Yeah. Everybody's got their stuff together. So
1: that's
3: good. That's yeah. good. But yeah. 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 Any, anything else, Derek, you got want to go over or. No, I don't think so. I think that was, yeah, very thorough and super helpful. Okay. Thank you. Cool.
1: Yeah. Folks, if you guys like this, you guys want to volunteer this stuff, shoot the folks an email team at simple passive cashflow. And if you haven't yet joined the club, uh, book your free onboarding call before I, start to outsource it out to the team. Won't go in, in as in-depth into
3: this type of stuff, but we'll try and knock it out 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so.